Hello, this is the WGN Morning News Podcast. I'm Brian Say. And I'm Ross McAbee. Each week we talk to one of your favorite WGN Morning News personalities. We ask them personal questions and try to make them squirm a little bit. We dig up the scuttlebutt and dish on the hot goss. Ross, what do you like most about this week's guest? I like this week's guest because he's funny. How about you, Brian? What do you like about this week's guest? I like this week's guest because sometimes on shoots, he'll go into character and he won't stop being that character until the shoot is over. And sometimes it can be frustrating, but most of the time, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. He's so funny. Wait a second. You're not Ross. You're Bill. Where's Ross? Uh, his wife had a baby. Oh, that's right. So wait, what are you doing here, Bill? Uh, the door was unlocked. All right, that's it. Get out of here. I got a podcast to record. I'm sorry. This is the WGM Morning News Podcast. Our guest this week is morning show announcer Mike Toomey. Mike joins us now. Good morning. Hey, Brian. How are you? You know what? I'm doing really well. That's good. Yeah. Usually Ross is here, and I wish that he was here for this because the three of us, we really get along. We do. And I think it would have been fun to have him, but we'll hear from him later. And I like you just as much as him, despite what you may have heard. Oh, it, I hadn't. Uh, yeah, I hadn't heard anything. No, I actually, like you both. You guys are cool. Oh, it's really awkward now. Well, Mike, we work for Channel Nine. <laughs> this is a behind-the-scenes podcast where we learn secrets about you. I was wondering if I could ask you nine very personal questions. Okay. Are you willing to answer my questions? Oh well, I'm willing to hear them. We'll see about answering them. All right. Time now for nine very personal questions. These are nine very personal questions. All right, Mike, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Question number one. What is the best dessert? Best dessert? Uh, you know when you go to like the Brazilian uh, steakhouse, they keep bringing the meat, those bananas that have the uh, brown sugar in the, that's the best dessert. Huh. It, like at um, Fogo de Chao? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, any of those places. Yep. Yeah. The fried banana with brown sugar, it's the best dessert. Oh, I'll have to find that and try it. We done or? Yeah. Okay. Have a great day. This has been the WGM Morning News <laughs> Podcast. Spend the dessert show. Uh, which actor would play you in the WGN Morning News movie? Boy, um, you know, I always, hear, I always hear the Brad Garrett thing all the time, that I look like him. But he's older than me, so it would be harder to have a guy older than me play me. But, uh, yeah, I guess I got to go with him. Because he kind of, you know, he looks a little bit like me. Or I look like him because he's older than me. I'll be honest with you, I don't know who that is. The guy from Everybody Loves Raymond? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Let's say you have three hours to yourself without any commitments. How do you spend that time? Getting home from here. <laughs> I live really far away, and uh, it just seems sometimes getting on the highway and getting through the downtown area, which I have to do, takes, you know, four to seven hours. So <laughs> three of those are very relaxing, and then it starts to get on my nerves. That's some real commitment. Yeah. Hmm. Did I mention that I live in Nebraska? No. It's cheaper to live there. Gas is ridiculous, but... Yeah. Which movie is the best movie? Boy, that's hard. It's hard to narrow it down to one. But uh, if you said to me, name a movie right away, I would say Stripes with Bill Murray. That's the movie. That and the Blues Brothers were the two movies that I saw more than any other and could recite them, you know. I love Blues Brothers because that was like the first big movie that they made in Chicago because the old man Daly like didn't want them to make movies in Chicago. And then it was like this blockbuster, like here's Chicago. Chicago on display. Right. Yep. What is your favorite word? Ah, boy, I don't know if I have a favorite word. Um, uh, I don't know. I like all words, really. I think you got to use them all, as long as you use them right. Yeah. But there's not one that's that tickles you? No, nah, not really. Hmm. Boy, this is going great. Yeah, it's going really well. Is this better than Dean's yet? 
Um, Let me know when it gets to the point where you're like, all right, better than Dean's, and then we quit. And then we quit. <laughs> yeah. Why is Dean the bar for you? I don't. I just saw him on the way in. Yeah. Um, least favorite smell. <laughs> Uh, I just encountered. I just encountered it. Actually, I don't want to mention any names, but there's a person here who uh, emits that least uh, desirable smell. Uh, not every day, but every once in a while. And I happen to be near that person when it happens, so I immediately have to vacate, not only to get away from it, but too, so nobody thinks I created it. So farts. You don't like farts. Uh, who, is there a guy that does? Is there a guy that you interviewed here? You know what, Brian, before we get anything going, I'm going to tell you right now, I enjoy farts a lot. I'm one of those people who I'm not afraid to say it. You give me a fart and I'll enjoy it. I don't care. The silent kind, the loud kind, the high pitch, low pitch, doesn't matter. I love them. Well, here's the thing. I don't necessarily love the smell, but the... <sighs> Sound. The comedy. It's funny. Right. Yeah. As they apply to some senses, they're funny. Apply to others, they're, you know, sick making. When you order a pizza, where do you like to order from and what are your go-to toppings? Well, what I like is that there are so many different places you can order from. So Mel, I, I say Malnati's is my favorite and mushroom is my favorite topping. But at the other places, I like to get a little, uh, little jalapeno pepper on there to kind of jazz it up a little bit. You know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. Deep dish is your preference? I, I would say yes. Oh, I'm trying to think back on, you know, I've asked this question of a lot of people now, and I don't think anybody said deep was their preference. What did Dean say? I'm trying to think. <laughs> Honestly, I can't remember. I think, no, he liked the tavern style. Okay. Conrad said Domino's. Mm -hmm. Domino's is very good. You uh, know what? Come I, on. I worked, having done comedy as long as I have, and you're on the road, that first night you get, you drive, you get somewhere, you do the show, you get back to your hotel room, and you want to get a pizza. Just go Domino's because you know exactly what you're getting. That's the, the beauty of chains and franchises because if you order something local because you think it looks like it might have charm, it isn't always good. I get the reliability yeah, factor. It's reliable. But here's the thing. We live in Chicago. This is a pizza town, man. You got a lot of good options. Yeah. So. You know who has great pizza? Uh, Chuck E. Cheese. Theirs is the best probably if you rated them. Chuck E. Cheese, Domino's, Pizza Hut, Lou Malnati's. <laughs> That's your order? Yeah. Huh. Do you ever have somebody say Luminati so fast it sounds like they're saying the Illuminati? I got, I got pizza from uh, Luminati. Really? How's that? How's their pizza? How's this going, by the way? I think it's going very well. Okay. All right. Are you nervous? No, I feel good. Okay. I feel nervous. I don't have Ross here to... I know. It's weird, right? Chime in and... Okay. Yeah. We have talks like this all the time. No, I know. Sometimes Ross is present for them. Sometimes he's not. Right. That's true. This is just like one of those times where he's not. Mm. Yeah. What do you think happens when we die? Nothing. <laughs> I, you know, I would love to say, you know, well, you go into a special land and you walk through a gate where everyone who loved you is waiting for you. Every dog you've ever had is wagging their tail as you come through the, the lovely passage to eternity. When the reality, in my mind, is probably nothing. So do what you got to do now. Get it done. So you think, though, you die, it's over? I think so. I mean, should I even say that? Should, it, should I share that with you, what I think? I mean, I asked you. Maybe I should have done a funny take on it. Yeah, I think maybe something serious okay. would be. Okay, ask me again. What do you think happens when we die? I think immediately after you die, your soul leaves your body and finds another place to manifest itself. I think you have to live every kind of life imaginable 
before you can go to the great beyond. So like I might leave here and be like a, you know, a tarantula or something like that. And then I go somewhere else and I'm a, you know, a smart guy. I go another place and I'm a dumb guy. And, uh, and the dumb guy wouldn't be able to answer this question. <laughs> You're like, where do you think you go when you die? I don't know. I'll die and come back as a smart guy and then we can have that conversation. So I thought you weren't going to do a funny take this time. <laughs> if you weren't at the old number nine, where would you be? Boy, oh boy. It's hard to say. I think I'd probably still be doing comedy everywhere. You know, I still do it sometimes, but I'd probably be working really hard to do it all the time. Just on the road? Yeah. It pains me to think it. Not that I didn't enjoy it when I did it, but, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, it's fun and a little more exciting. And when you're in your late 50s, eh. You did do it, though. For how I long? I did. I started doing comedy right out of high school when I was a teenager. First time I ever did stand-up, I was 16. And when I got out of high school, I started going to comedy clubs and getting paid to do it. Not a lot, but I was getting paid to do it at 18. And I was started going on the road a little bit after that and uh, probably a good 30 years of that. You were on the road for 30 years. Well, when I say that, it's a little bit of an overrated thing because it's like when I say, oh, I was on the road for, uh, you know, 30 weeks, that could just mean two nights of that week or three, you know, because we started having kids. My oldest was born in 92, so then things had to be scaled back a little bit. I need to be home. My wife worked during the day, so I was going a lot of weekends. So it worked out pretty well where the kids always had one of their parents with them. A lot of people would be like, oh, you're on the road all the time. That's no, that's no life to live when you have young kids. But I was with my kids probably more than most when you add up the time. It's still got to be a grind, right? Sure, sure. And there were some weeks when you'd leave on Tuesday and you don't get back until Sunday. You know, but then there are other weeks there were when comedy was big, really big. There was a million clubs in town here, so I could do those too, you know. And uh, I, think, I think I counted the most number of days that I was ever gone in one year was like 60. So that means I had 305 home, you know? Do you have a favorite city you went to? Um, you know what? I always enjoyed Milwaukee. There was a particular club there called the Comedy Cafe that just was just perfect. It was in the perfect place. The audience, was, it's like everything lined up when you work that room. It just went really well all the time. And I loved all the, the clubs here, you know, Chicago and the suburbs, because the closer you are to um, people like you, the better you're going to do, because they have the same points of reference and the same similar upbringing and that type of thing. So obviously the audience closest to your age, uh, closest to you is going to be your, your target. Do you have a least favorite city? Anywhere, any, and this isn't to make fun of that part of the country, but I never did all that well in the South. You know what I mean? It's a different sensibility. It's a different sense of humor. It's not really what I do. I remember uh, it was like 1989, and at that point I was pretty established. I'd been doing it for a while, and I was very excited to go to Atlanta. And I went with my friend Bert, and he was the opening act. I was the middle act, and the closer was Jeff Foxworthy, who's from Atlanta. So he packed it every night. Everybody came to see him. It was really before he hit his peak of fame, but I will say this. Not just redneck jokes. He's a very funny guy, a very innovative, good writer, smart guy, very funny. So my friend would open up the show and do pretty well. You know, that's his job. Get him going. And uh, Foxworthy would kill every show. And I would go in the middle and kind of bomb. I was like, this is a big city in the south. It's cosmopolitan. I'm going to do well. And I got it handed to me pretty much every night. You know, I don't know if it's that particular club or what, but uh, I never really went well in the south. 
Now, was back then, was Foxworthy doing all the redneck stuff? He hadn't started doing it yet. Oh. He hadn't started doing it, but he had a very strong local following there, and that's why so many people came to see him there. Mm. And then you're this sort of Yankee northerner. I I guess that's what it was, or, you know, the the material that I'd been doing was working other places. It just, uh, the people of Buckhead did not like it. So do you, have you run into that in other regions? Not as much, because... You get better at understanding who your audience is, and even in a week like that, because it was a long week, by the end, you kind of know what's going to work better of your arsenal. So by the end, you're kind of doing the best of what you have for them. You know what I mean? Atlantic City was another one of those where first night I was like, whoa, it was like I ran into a wall, you know? But you do so many shows because it was like a casino. You do two shows every night for the whole week. And by the end of the week, I was doing fine because I'm like, oh, I don't do that again. Okay, keep that in. Tweak that. Make that shorter. And, you know, you figure it out. Do you record your sets or do you – how do you sort of get that feedback loop? Do you do a lot of – spend a lot of time fixating – not fixating, but, you know, thinking about, okay, well, ooh, that didn't work. This works. Yeah, I mean, you do. You, you make a mental note of it. But at this point, certain things, if they don't work, you start saying, oh, did I say that wrong? Did I, did I say it too quickly? Did I mumble the words? I'll give you a perfect example of this. I did a a Christmas, you know, in December, you always do a lot of holiday parties. That was always the thing. You wouldn't book any clubs in December because you were going to do holiday parties. So um, I'm doing this show for this corporation, and I have certain jokes that I do in the holidays. And one of the jokes is about eggnog, you know, and I'll do the joke for you. I'll be like, uh, eggnog is the thickest liquid in the world. You know, eggnog is the only drink you finish. The glass still looks full after you're through drinking it. You know, so, you know knowing what we know now, you know, heart health wise, do people order that? Are you in a restaurant? People are like, sorry, sir, we're out of eggnog. Perhaps you'd care to check this pancake batter in its place. They're like, yes, I was hoping to have a heart attack by seven. Can we we'll double down on you and we'll kill you by nine o'clock? Well, that's the joke. It does well. You know, it's, it's silly, it's funny, and eggnog is a weird thing, but. Yeah. I do that joke right out of the gate because it's a holiday party, boom, and it doesn't get a laugh. And now I continue to speak because I have to do 30, 40 minutes, and the whole time in my mind, I'm saying the jokes, but why didn't they laugh at the eggnog joke? What is going on here? And then another five minutes later, I'm still talking, and I went, oh, this is Dean's Foods. The, the people who make the product that I just spent a couple minutes ripping. But then when, when the thought occurred, because there's like two things going on, what you're saying and what's going on in your brain. When I realized that I was making fun of eggnog in front of Dean's Foods, then I started laughing in the middle of the bit that I was doing <laughs> 10 minutes later. So they're like, what is with this guy? Right. He's an idiot. So you, I mean, you've got this stuff in there, so you can just sort of recite it, right? But then you've got an internal dialogue while you're delivering? Yes. Your- like, here's, here's a good example. You're talking, you're doing a bit, and that didn't really work for this audience, or it crossed the line. Because every audience has their, their their boundaries. Yeah. And you push it, you push it, you push it, and then you go, oh, okay, I went too far. That's the wall now. Scale it back. Don't ever go past that line again. So you're thinking stuff like that. You know, like, all right, push them, push them a little bit. Okay, that's as far as they'll go. And that's my, my boundary for this crowd. So you're, you're very aware of stuff like that when you're talking. You just can't get too caught up in that, that it, that the division is such that that's overwhelming and now you're just gibberish and right. not really delivering it the way you should. Yeah, I guess I just, as someone who sort of has obsessive thoughts, it would be difficult for me to imagine being up there and obsessing right. over something like that and then being able to perform. And again, to say it's normal, it's because it's normal to me. No. Like, it, it isn't always just comedy. Like, I, you, know, you and I have talked about this. I have Uh, something going on in my brain where I'm not always locked in on what's being said or 
you know, I'm thinking about, <laughs> sometimes I'm thinking about other things. You know what I mean? Like, um, we're talking about uh, attention deficit disorder, Brian. That's uh, something that's somewhat common in America. Uh-huh. And uh, I would do a thing like, um, you know, before we had GPS, where you'd have to ask people for directions. And that is really, really hard to stay focused on a guy giving me directions. Like, he's taking time out of his day. And I swear, while he's talking, I just see him going, blah, 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 two blocks down, make a right, left, left or right, go over the underpass, under the overpass, you make a right, left, there's an S-curve and a guy with a scarf and a stop sign. And, and the whole time he's talking, I'm just staring at him. And like, in my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder if we have any Frankenberry at home. Like, that's what's going on. Like, do they even make Frankenberry anymore? And he's still talking. I'm like, is chapstick one word or two? And he's still talking. <laughs> so then I have to stop him. And I say, sir, stop talking so I can leave and go ask somebody else for directions. Because I lost you with make a left out of here. That's as far as we got. Do you ever try to like write it down? No, what I do now is I ask for directions 100 yards at a time because that's all I can handle. So it's like, hey, can you get me 100 yards closer to Cincinnati? And he's like, yeah, you make a left out of here and that's it. And then I, then I go and ask that guy that's like right there. Wow. Between that and your lengthy commute to WGN, you are spend a lot of time in the car. Spend a lot of time thinking. Sometimes I think I don't even need a radio because there's so many things going on in there, Yeah, which can be fun, can also be distracting. I spend a lot of time in my car without any music or radio mm-hmm. or anything on, yeah, because I got it's just going, yeah. Now, George Carlin did a thing about that. He said when, at the time, he wrote this joke, it was when everybody had the Walkman uh, mm. headphones in. And the line that stuck with me was like, are you that uncomfortable with your thoughts? <laughs> like that you always have to have something pouring in? Right. Well, that was question number nine. I had one last bonus question. Sure. It's a little controversial. This is a bonus controversial question. Are you ready? Yes. You do a number of characters on the WGN Morning News. You told me that one of the first times you did Greg the Vampire, it was at a coffin store. (laughs) Can you tell us about that? That is one of my favorite stories of all the things we've ever done here. Uh, It was really early in Greg, so the character wasn't fully developed yet. And uh, either it was Jeff Hoover or, or me, one of us came up with the idea. There's a store that sells coffins. Like typically when you take care of funeral arrangements, you buy it from the funeral home and it's all done. But this way, it's like a discount option. So we set up with the guy and we get there and meet him. He's really, the guy's really cool. He's really nice. And the sketch was Greg is applying for a job as a coffin salesman with this guy. And the guy was a good sport. I mean, he he would... He appeared in the sketch, interviewed me and all that kind of stuff, like what qualifies you for the job. Have you had any sales experience in the past? Well, yeah, you know, I sell stuff for, you know, men's warehouse for a little while. That's pretty cool. Um, Blood, sell blood. Then we just started talking and I said, "Um, how busy does it ever get for you here? I mean, it's a coffin store. He said it's, it's, uh, I don't want to say dead, that's the obvious joke, but he pretty much implied that. He said... It got to the point where I was just sitting here all day doing nothing, so we turned it into an appointment only. Nobody just pulls up to the coffin store. They call first, and they make the appointment. So I was like, oh, okay. And as we're kind of moving lights around or whatever, moving cameras around, guess what? Guy pulls up. No appointment. He just walks in, and the first thing he sees is me dressed up like tra- Dracula. He walks in, and I'm like, uh, hey, uh, can I help you? No, I didn't. I swear I didn't do that. I just like, I just kind of gave him the, hey, hold on one second. And I went back and got the guy and they came out and did whatever business they needed to do. And I thought to myself, what, what are the odds of that? The guy just said, nobody just pulls up here. We can do this. There's not going to be any issue. And then um, he told me later 
when the guy left that he's like, hey, what, what happened to Dracula? He kind of said it with a smile. And I thought, man, what a job that is that every day for you is someone else's worst day of their life. And as uh, wherever that guy's head was when he came in and this, maybe he kind of sorted it all out and said that was weirdly amusing in, in a weird way. Maybe maybe broke the tension a little bit, hopefully so. So at the end of it, he sort of saw the humor. I believe it. that, yeah, yeah. That's got to feel nice. Yeah, it does. Because that's why you do this. Mm-hmm. Make people feel good. It is why we do it, yeah. Yeah. All right, this has been Nine Very Personal Questions. These are Nine Very Personal Questions. You're listening to the WGN Morning News Podcast, or with Mike Toomey, coming up. You're listening to the WGN Morning News Podcast. I'm Brian Say. Season one of this podcast is coming to a close, but I still need ideas for a season two. So hey, give me a call and leave a voicemail. 773-883-3323. Tell me what we should do in season two. Look, I get it. Most of you want to just consume the content. You don't want to be the content. But Ross is on paternity leave. 2022 is almost over. The podcast is almost over. I'm lonely. And I'm lost. So give me a call. 773-883-3323. Ask me a question. Leave me a comment. Or hey, sing me a song. Maybe tell me a story. I'm talking to you. You can't wait for this part of the podcast to end because you know you'll never call. But today is the day. Pause the podcast, pick up the phone, and dial 773-883-3323. You can do it. I believe in you. I believe in us. Call now. This is the WGN Morning News Podcast. I'm Mike Toomey. Hey, thanks, Mike. Ross, I heard you found a clip. Oh, that's right. Ross is on paternity leave. But he did find a clip featuring this week's guest, Mike Toomey. Then I guess we should play a clip. Let's play a clip. Let's play a clip. All right, Mike. This segment is called Let's Play a Clip, and this clip features one of your many characters. Are you familiar with what WGN stands for? Oh, uh, how about we go nuts? Tell me what the letters WGN stand for. Oh, that's easy. It stands for we got nothing. We got nothing. Yeah. I can't argue with that. <laughs> that was you playing Colonel Robert McCormick, one-time owner and publisher of the Chicago Tribune, and the man behind the moniker, World's Greatest Newspaper. Ross saw a photo of Colonel McCormick and noticed he had a striking resemblance to you, so he pitched that to you and put that whole video together. Yes. What was the inspiration behind that voice? What's so funny about that is when somebody says, hey, this guy looks like you, and you see it, it never does. And uh, somebody sent me an email Hey, uh, that guy on page 19 of the Trib, that looks just like you. All right. And I, get, I go find a paper and I look at him. I'm like, wow, it really does. Like, I thought it looked like me, uh, Colonel McCormick. Um, to answer your question, the <laughs> idea is he's just this rich guy with more money than anybody else. And the first thing I thought was to do a, a takeoff on Carter Pewterschmidt from Family Guy. You know, Hey, Peter, what are you doing here, you idiot? You know, and I just thought, because he just seemed like that, like everybody's beneath him. Get out of my way, peasant. Beep, beep. I own a newspaper. You're a loser. I'm smart and I'm rich. 
I don't know if he was, if he sounded like that, but that's just sometimes when you, you want to create something, you got to look at it and say, oh, I think this is how the voice would go. You play so many different characters on the show. Which one is your favorite? You know what? It, it depends. Like if I haven't done a particular one for a while, it's kind of fun to dust that one off. And at the same time, when you do a, one a lot, you, you tend to like it a little bit less. And so the challenge is to keep them fresh and keep doing things like Lord of the Limerick. I mean, every year I, I write a few limericks and I've been doing him the first St. Patrick's Day I ever did Lord of the Limerick was 2004. So do the math. That's a lot of years of Almost writing. 20 limerick. Years. And, you know, I look at my um, computer and see what I've written and there's literally hundreds of them that I've written. So it's like, okay, what happened since last St. Patrick's Day that I can write about or, you know, take off on or something like that. And then the other things that we do with him put him in situations where he's stupid, even though he calls everybody else stupid. So would you say he's one of your favorites? You're stupid. Um, Greg the Vampire seems to have the, uh, the the widest boundaries. You know, like you can pretty much go anywhere with him. And um, William Henry Harrison is in that zone too. You know, he's uh, that was sort of a takeoff on uh, Phil Hartman a little bit, like a, like a Phil Hartman kind of character. Hey. Hey, what's going on here? Whose palm do you got to grease to get a lemonade around here? You know, he was president for, for a month. And he talks as though he came back to life or something because he always talks about how he died. I'm trying to think of who my favorite is. I don't know. I, do, I think I really do like Greg. Mm-hmm. Well, and if I can also borrow uh, the term backstory from our friend Larry, um, most of these do have some weird kind of backstory to it. And with Greg the Vampire, it was like every time you're going to do a vampire's character, it starts with Bella Lugosi. It begins with, because he talked like this all of the, hey, just remember it. I left my car parked in the one-hour zone, you know. And uh, it started like that, and then it got less and less of that. And, and you're, when you do voices, you're always so careful not to go into somebody else's voice or something that you already do. And um, it, it, he kind of morphs into, if I'm not careful, triumph the, the, the insult dog. So I have to be careful. Go back to more of Lugosi than, hey, what, what are you doing? Or not that. That's like Cheech and Chong. But, you know, <laughs> look at this guy over here. He's dumb, you know, stupid guy. And... Uh, and Russell B. Johnson is the other one. Russell B. Johnson is the narrator character from all the old films. And, um, of course, he speaks very clearly like this. Turn to the next page. Beep. That came from, of course, all those films that I listened to in high school. But the name, Russell B. Johnson. People always say, isn't Russell Johnson the professor on Gilligan's Island? And he is. But you ready for a very convoluted story about how Russell B. Johnson got very his Very excited, yeah. Okay. When I, got, when I took the test to get my driver's license, the guy sitting in the passenger seat giving me the, the test looked just like the professor from Gilligan's Island. And he kind of sounded like the guy in the driver's ed films who would go, at the corner, turned left. At the corner, turned right. And I was like, he looks like the professor from Gilligan's Island and he sounds like the film strip guy. So I decided when I created the film strip guy, I would call him Russell Johnson. But because Russell Johnson is already an actor, I put the B in there. Like they're both in the union. And there was already a Russell Johnson. When That's how much I thought about this. Yeah. No, you, there was, the guy from Gilligan's Island is Russell Johnson. So you have to be something else. And he did Russell B. Johnson like Ann B. Davis from the Brady Bunch. Alice, she's Ann B. Davis. Because when she joined the union, there was probably already an Ann Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you glad you asked? There's a lot of thought you put into that. Yes. Here's a letter from one of our friends. So he's fun to do. Yeah, that is fun. And you know what else is fun to do? The the very first character that I ever did on the show was Adam West as Batman. Very first thing. It was Halloween of 2003. 
And I did uh, Batman doing Halloween tips. Be careful, citizens trick-or-treating. Always look both ways when you cross the street and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, don't leave your candy out unattended. They'll take them all along with the pumpkin-shaped bowl. You know, so I just did all that. And for the first few times I appeared on the show, that was the only character that I did. Like, hey, bring the, the Batman guy back. And then it just kind of rolled into everything else. That first year was really when most of those characters were formed. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, that was when the, they, they debuted. Halloween, I did the uh, Halloween and Thanksgiving and even Christmas, I did a, a Batman bits. And then I did a, we did this uh, old guy character when we rang in the new year, the guy who turned into the old man during the course of the year. It was kind of a funny character, probably only aired once, but he was really old and he would explain to you that he was born baby new year, but instead of aging one month at a time, he would age 10 years at a time. So by the time December's over, he's 120. So he shares all the stuff that happened to him, you know, well, in June, I had a hip replacement, you know, like all the stuff that would happen. Yeah. In July, I had to change my medication, and I spent a, lost my driver's license, you know, and then at the very end, Baby New Year came in and whacked him on the head and killed him and took over. So so anyway, then, then uh, the next one was February, and I did Russell B. Johnson in February, a little Valentine's thing. Um, March, Lord of the Limp, first time for Lord of the Limerick. Um, April... Uh, opening day was the first time I did Skip Parker. You know, that was designed, most of these are designed to be a one-off, you know? They said, hey, what's, what do you want to do for opening day? Hey, how about this uh, sportscaster who never gets a chance to get in the booth, but he's always there? So we were on the rooftops. It was Larry and Roseanne Teus, and we were across from Wrigley Field opening day. And hey, Larry, good to see you. You know, it's uh, everybody's excited for opening day. And I'm a broadcaster. Yeah, I never really saw you in a game, though. Well, you know, sometimes uh, I'm sitting back waiting for my chance and somebody might pull a vocal cord and I'm ready to go. But the whole thing was like, yeah, but we never really saw you do it. And that was funny, but then pretty soon, hey, why don't we have you anchor the sports in character? And then, you know, it became what it, what it is. Who else came out that year? Bigfoot? Bigfoot came much later with comedians. What they can be funny about are the things that they're passionate about. And sometimes it's things that drive them nuts. You know, you see that a lot, you know, like, Here's another thing. You want to know what grinds my gears, Brian? You want to know what grinds my gears? So I would pick out things, that little things that just annoyed me and make the mountain out of the molehill as Bigfoot. So those things are really extensions of things that really bother me, whereas you wouldn't say it if it were you. You wouldn't say, that bugs me, and you just let it go. Uh, but Bigfoot has to mention it and go off on it. So it's a kind of a nice outlet, actually. So, yeah, a lot of them came later, like William Henry Harrison probably came like five years later after that because we would always have Michael Krebs, who does an incredible Abraham Lincoln. You've seen him here. And, yep. uh, and Terry Lynch, who does George Washington. We'd have these guys come in, and we thought it'd be funny if, uh, if we had another president. And I'm like, how about the president that people know the least about? And I could you know, just do the voice and say, yeah, well, this is what he sounded like. Sure. You know. Do you have a favorite piece you've done for the show? There are, there's, there are a couple. And um, sometimes they don't get as much airplay, you know, because first and foremost, this is a new show, you know, and every, it's a new show that does some fun things once in a while. And I'm happy to be a part of a lot of those fun things that have happened over the years. And a lot of times we'll do one or two we'll, and, and show it a little bit later. People be like, wow, I forgot about that one. When did you do that one? And um, I did one where it was uh, Lotar and uh, Audio Bob and Hoover and me, 
And we were the, the band who records the music when you are on hold on the phone. <laughs> so we were all there rehearsing our bit. And it was just that one song that plays all the time. And I was the vocalist. So when we were practicing, they'd play and I'd go, your call is very important to us. Please stay on the line. Your call will be answered in the order in which it was received. Please stay on the line. Yeah, you must be Luke. Hey, hey all right, welcome. You got our material? Yeah, got it right here. It's awesome. You feeling good? You want to run it, man? Let's rock and roll. One, two, three, four. All of our associates are busy assisting other customers. Please stay on the line and your call will be answered in the order in which it was received. Your call is very important to us. And uh, sometimes I'll do Fred Rogers. And we did a bit where I was Mr. Rogers. And uh, I tried to copy it as much to the letter as how he would do things on his show. Because uh, I've seen way too many parodies of him. And I happen to admire him very much and uh, respect what he he's done in his career and the way he treats people. And I wanted it to be more of a, uh, an exact replica of what he does all in a situation that he wouldn't be in as opposed to just some guy doing obvious kid show host jokes more a tribute than parody exactly we put him in a different situation so some people didn't quite get what i was doing but some people did and i was very happy with how it turned out you have any big ideas coming up for any of your characters yeah yeah like we're playing the president's thing i have another idea for batman and um, for a while i was doing william henry harrison this day in history and those are still in the archives. It's just a little 30-second thing on this day. This guy did this. <laughs> it's really funny. And, uh, you know, so just little hits like that are, are fun to, uh, you know, because sometimes people don't want to watch something that lasts forever, you know, if you just do a quick hit. So I have an idea with Batman where he uh, comes on something very similar and does little quick little hits, tips and things like that, which... I'm looking forward to getting started on. And also a lot of 9 at 9 songs. People um, will sometimes send me ideas or thoughts or even fully recorded audio on songs. And that is fun because um, whether we're making the song or taking the audio from somewhere else, there's a lot of creativity that goes into those between Terry Bates upstairs and Dan Bennett, who works in our creative department. Those two guys are amazing. And, and you know, it's fun to work together and everybody contributes what they're good at and it's just so much fun how long has it been now you've been doing these nine and nine songs i think it's maybe two years now yeah mm -hmm. so what it is is just at the top of the nine and nine they're sort of parodies of popular yeah. songs and mm -hmm. then they're but they're talking about how that you're about to watch the nine and nine yeah. and, and they're fun they're and fun how many have you done now i think there's close to 30 30 something of them now one of the the favorites the one that became a favorite was something that just kind of happened accidentally or incidentally i was up with terry bates and we were putting one of them together and um for whatever reason, the thought of that Muppets, you know, and I'm on a dee 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 Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, that's, you could say the nine at nine there and you would hardly have to change anything. And 20 minutes later, it was done. Some of them you, you plan and you record and you get this guy and you get that. And that one, just, we were doing one, we finished it. And then Terry just, I recorded the, I just went the nine at nine on the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> and then he put it together. And even now when I watch it, I'm like, that sounds like that was what was intended. Right. <laughs> uh, so for our listener, Terry Bates is a, an engineer here who he, he shoots things and edits them. And you guys work together for 15, 20 years now. All the time. Yeah. And there, there isn't a day when I'm not up there with Terry either planning something, following up on something, or actually working together with him on things. And he is so good. Not only is he just gifted 
at you know working the equipment, but he also gets it. Like he has a great sense of humor, and sometimes it will shoot something, and then I'll say, Terry, I can't get up to you until ten o'clock when the show's over. He's, I'll I'll play around with it, and you might get up there, and he's ninety five percent done with all the comedic uh, pieces timed out perfectly. I'm like, yeah, this guy's got too many gifts, right? No, he's very good at what he does. I was going to go through and say, I've got a list of your characters here and ask to hear from them, but I think you've given them all to us, except there is one uh, that you do with Jeff Hoover, which is Eddie and Jobo. Could you explain what Eddie and Jobo is? Sure. Well, uh, if you want to go all the way back, Eddie and Jobo were popular morning DJs on uh, B96, and uh, they were really, really popular and on forever, and years later, they started doing commercials. And this was before I was here every day. And a lot of times Jeff would call me when he was driving home and we would just shoot the breeze while he was getting home. And I'd have the TV on while he's talking. And it seemed like every time I talked to Jeff, that co- the commercial would come out with Eddie and Jobo. So we would talk about it and we would laugh because we know those guys and they're, they're you know, good sports. Jeff and I would talk and I'd go, eh, they're on. And what we would do, what I would do, because I was the one watching, I always thought it was fun to watch the guy who wasn't talking. You know what I mean? What do you do? You're both on camera. The other guy's talking, so you, you kind of nod. <laughs> and, you know, and Eddie would do the fist pump, you know. And Jobo would, you could get payments over the phone, you know. And, and so we would just, we did that. And we just, we thought it was so much fun to, like, yeah. do the, and of course, we don't sound like them, really. We're just way over the top. And then one day we were doing fantasy costumes, <laughs> And we found these ABBA costumes. And they're like, we're going to wear these and these wigs, and we're going to be Eddie and Jobo. When did Eddie and Jobo wear ABBA costumes? It was the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. So we did it, and like Paul or Honor, whoever was, who are you guys? We're Eddie and Jobo. Yeah. Top quality insurance at the lowest possible rate. And you could pay over the phone. So that just became the thing. Yeah. And so it just became the accepted costumes of Eddie and Jobo. And then we end up doing movies like Eddie and Jobo, the cop, Starsky and Hutch kind of movie. Eddie and Jobo save Christmas. Right. And that's where these celebrities are incorporated. We would just get them to go in at the end and go, yeah. Right. Or do like a quick, we got Cindy Lauper doing it. Right. And then one of them, we, Eddie and Jobo in space at the end, Lou Ferrigno goes, yeah. And here's a funny one. We almost had Mr. T. Oh. Mr. T was here on the same day that Gilbert Gottfried was here. Mm. Okay. So we did Eddie and Jobo saves Christmas. And uh, we said, Gilbert, can you do a, boy, I sure hope Eddie and Jobo can save Christmas. Well, he's not going to just do that. Mm -hmm. Eddie and Jobo are going to say, why don't they save Hanukkah? What do they have against Jewish people? And, you know, on and on and on. And Mr. T goes, you know what, I'm I'm out. So he's like, I don't don't know what you want me to do, but I'm not, I'm not doing that. All right. Well, this is. Sorry. All right. This is the WGM Morning News Podcast. Stay tuned. We've got a fun surprise coming up next. Time now for checking in with Conrad. Hey, Paul. Hello. Hey, Paul. Hello. Time for checking in with Conrad. Each week I check in with morning show weatherman Paul Conrad. Let's check in with him now. Hey, Paul. Howdy, partner. (laughs) That was fun (laughs) of you to say that. I've been saying hello too much. I thought I'd mix that one up. No, it was good. So, hey, we've come to the final episode, the regular season episode of the WGN Morning News podcast. I'm wondering, do you have any ideas for a season two? Ooh, that's a good idea. Uh, Season two, the only thought that I would have was if 
you got to make it different. So maybe you do two people at one time instead of one person at a time. And then in year three, you could do three people at a time. And then in year four, you could do four people at a time. And, and then when we get to year nine, we got nine people. You got nine people. Talking all over each and other. By then, no one's paying attention to this thing anymore. Right. But it's nine people. And maybe, you know, who knows where we'll be in the world in nine years, but maybe we'll be more comfortable with nine people yeah. talking at the same time. So that's my idea. What's on your mind, Paul? Uh, I've got some confusion around pastrami. Is pastrami a meat or is it like a pasta or is it uh, like a dough? Uh, can I have some pastrami? I've never heard anyone say that before, but I, maybe it's a meat, right? A pastrami. And if... It is a meat. What kind of animal are we eating here, right? Is it a cow? Is it a sheep? A Pastramosaurus? Yeah. It doesn't match up, right? Oh. So uh, pastrami, I think it's meat, but, uh, you know, I don't – it's not like – maybe it's part of the chicken. Uh, but, right. you know, on the chicken, you know, you got a leg, a wing, and a breast. Not to do the dirty talk here, but right. – uh, Pastrami, I don't know anything about it. That's what's on my mind. I'm going to spend the weekend trying to figure it out. I'll get back to you. All right. This has been Checking In With Conrad. Hey, Paul. Hello. Hey, Paul. Hello. Time for Checking In With Conrad. We'll have more with Mike Toomey coming up. You're listening to the WGM Morning News Podcast. We're here with Mike Toomey. So this is week 12 of this podcast. For the first 11 weeks, Ross Maccabee was my trusty co-host, but Ross has gone away. Where did he go, Brian? I'm so happy you've asked. Uh-huh. He's gone to... The, the Great Beyond. Beyond. What does that mean exactly? I don't know. He's going to the Great Beyond? Yeah. Really, he's just on paternity leave. Yeah, that's great. But I asked him to leave a message for you before he left. Oh, great. Let's listen to that now. Okay. This is Ross Maccabee from... The Great Beyond. Hey. Hey, guys. Hey, is this thing on? Hey, it's Ross. Uh, I'm fine. Brian made it sound like I'm, I'm somewhere and I'm not coming back, but I'll come back eventually. Uh, Mike, are you enjoying yourself so far? I just want to know because, you know, it's probably tough without me there. And Brian, Brian, I just want you to know I think about you. I think about you. Um... But yeah, just taking care of a uh, a new life into the world, and um, I miss you both. But I'll be back soon. Until then, uh, we always have Vegas. All right, let me say this: I know you guys are great friends, but Ross is and his wife just had a baby. How many days ago? Two. The last thing he's thinking about is Brian. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's thinking about when am I going to be able to sleep? Yeah. That's what he's thinking. But I, and not to take away what you two have as buddies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you really pulled the wind out of the sails here, Mike. <laughs> uh, Ross mentioned Vegas. Mm -hmm. I know you're a big Elvis fan. Yes. Is that a character that you do, or you just kind of? I mean, <laughs> I always loved him. Like I always loved listening to his music and having fun with it and wanting to sound like him. Like that to me, that was my big ambition. Like God, if I could sound like him, if I could sing like him, that'd be so much fun. And uh, I can do a little bit, like karaoke, goofing around. And on my Christmas album, if I can make a plug, my new Christmas uh, CD that's out, I have two songs. One's original, one's a parody of Elvis' Christmas songs. And I kind of do my impersonation a little bit, which is fun, but because I'm going for comedy, you don't have to hold me to perfection. There's so many things I've often wondered about Jolly Old St. Nick. 
Like, why does it wear a red suit? How does it know when we're sleeping and when we're awake? And how can he travel around the world in just one night? But above all, there's one thing that I'd really like to know. Why does Santa love rich kids more than the underprivileged girls and boys? Hey there, Santa, my folks are poor. I have an unhealthy obsession with Elvis Presley. Like, I've read every book written about him, and I know all the the facts about him and all the little things. And uh, when I watch performances or listen to stuff, I always pick out the, the little things about it because I've heard everything and seen everything. Have you ever been to Sun Studio? I have not. I uh, went to Graceland, though, Ooh. and that was uh, interesting, um, taking the whole tour and seeing everything. And my wife, she couldn't care less, but right. that was a present she gave me. Oh, that we got to go to Graceland and take the tour. So she was a good sport, and she yeah. went through the whole thing with me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, big, big fan of, of, of uh, Elvis. All right. Well, you're listening to the WGM Morning News Podcast. More with Mike Toomey coming up. This is the WGM Morning News Podcast. I'm here with Mike Toomey. Mike, the holidays are upon us. I hear you have a nice holiday story from your childhood that you'd like to share. Yeah, I do. First off, I'm a big fan of the holidays. Love it. Do Christmas shows every year. Uh, Like I said before, I have a Christmas CD out. Is that a shameless plug? Um, And one thing I remember for Christmas, and I think a lot of families can share this, when that day comes for everybody to put up the tree and put up the lights and the decorations... In theory, that's a joyous time, and the family's together, and the music's playing, and it isn't. It's like the most stressful, frustrating, people are fighting kind of day, and the lights don't work, and the, everything, and the tree keeps falling over. Uh, one particular day, I remember it was a Sunday, we were getting all the decorations out, and we always had Dean Martin. That was my dad's Christmas album, so we would listen to Dean Martin. That was playing, and nothing was going right. We didn't have the tree yet. We were gonna get it but uh, everything was going right and my dad started getting cranky and my mom started getting cranky and we were getting on their nerves and they were fighting and I was a little kid I, I, I don't know how old I was grade school and I thought to myself this is really bad uh, we're not gonna get a tree this year this is not good I went into my bedroom I would keep my money and remember the barrel of monkeys you know they their arms would hook and you try to get the longest chain of monkeys and I had an empty barrel of monkeys what I would use for my money so in that barrel of monkeys was maybe a dollar, maybe two, and a bunch of change. So I took all that, and I dumped it out, put it in my pocket, and I walked over to the grocery store in the tree lot. And here's me walking around the lot like I'm, you know, I'm a buyer. And the guy at the lot was, you know, looking back, you know, he's curious what's going on with this kid. He comes over, he says, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. He's looking at trees, you know. And, and I go, how much is this one? And the guy, he says, well, how much do you have? And I dig into the pocket, pull out the single and the change, and I hold out my open hand. I go, is this enough? And the guy goes, yep, it is. That's just about enough. Wow. So I gave him the money, proudly, because it was all the money I had. And he gave me the tree, and I dragged and dragged and or carried it the whole way home. And I put it up. never thought another thing about it. You know, in retrospect, my dad probably went back there, you know, after I had done it and figured, heard the whole story. 
But I was so proud of myself. I'm, I provided the tree that year with my own cash. You know what I mean? My own money. And I always think like it took me years before I went. That was the cool, maybe the coolest thing anyone ever did for me outside of my family. You know what I mean? Just the guy was like, how do I tell this kid? Are you out of your mind? You have a dollar seventy-five, and you're going to buy this this Douglas fir or whatever that whatever they're called. And it was one of the nicest trees we ever had. But I just, uh, you know, love that story. Did I say that I was 22 when that happened? <laughs> that kind of takes a little of the, the joy out of that story. Yeah. I was 22. So, but, so you're a little kid, and you're thinking, oh, you know, Christmas is in trouble. I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to go into my little barrel of monkeys and find whatever I got and scrape it together and go see if I can save Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then this nice person. Wow. And in my mind, I had saved Christmas. Sure. You know, of course, you're going to get a tree. You know, I mean, it was the, the second week of first or second week of December. It's going to happen. But, you know, you're a little kid and you don't like when everybody's on each other's nerves and at each other's throats. And I'm like, this is bad. This is Christmas. We shouldn't be fighting. Right. We should be happy and joyous and singing, singing along with Dean. Speaking of Dean, is this better than Dean Richards? Interview? <laughs> it does say something about your character, too, that you are this little kid and, uh, you know, you have to take it upon yourself. Well, I thought I did. Well, it doesn't matter yeah. whether or not your dad went back and paid. I mean, the inspiration inside of your heart was there to try to make it right. And I think about that as a parent. That's, I would have done that. So I'm kind of thinking that's what my father did, but he didn't tell me because that would have taken away from, by the way, idiot, <laughs> you don't buy a tree for $2, stupid. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It was whether he did that or not, I was led to believe that I was... I saved Christmas that year. Right. Huh. Well, that's a beautiful story. Yeah. So you're kind of like a good person. Mm. Depends on who you ask. Yeah. Well, Mike, each week we ask listeners to call in and ask questions for our guest. Here's a voicemail from this week. Hello. This question is for Mike Toomey. My name is Adam, and I need to know, with the cold weather, are you a glove guy or a mitten guy? Also, which one do you put on first? Left? All right. Thank you. Uh, first off, Adam, thank you so much for your call. Um, very good question. Um, I'm not cute enough to wear mittens. Mittens are for the cute. You know, like, look at how cute I am with mittens on. Uh, so the answer is definitely gloves, and um, most definitely the left goes on first. This is my uh, question for Toomey. I noticed that you had Mad Monster Party in one of your 9 at 9 intros. I'm just wondering, are these the kind of shows you watched as a kid? Because I grew up on this kind of stuff. That's my question. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your question. Most definitely I watched that stuff when I was a kid. That was all the Rankin-Bass stuff. Um, uh, he's talking about Mad Monster Party was a uh, sort of a claymation type of thing. It was a special that they did on Halloween. Remember the guys who did uh, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? This was a Halloween one. And the character, the mad professor, looked like Boris Karloff, and the guy did a Karloff. Um, but here's the sad part about that. You watch it now. It's pretty horrible. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you, you get excited about it. Look at these characters, and you watch it and enjoy it as a kid. Some stuff holds up. That one is like, wow, that's really bad. It's not that good. It looks fun. And, yes, we did pull some video from that for our uh, Monster Mash parody on our 9 at 9 song. Hey, this is Tim from the South Loop. Really enjoying the podcast. But I'm looking at, like, your schedule of guests, and I do not see Skip Parker. How can you be doing all of our WGN luminaires and not do Skip Parker? So please get on it. 
Thanks. We've talked about him. That's about as close as we'll get to having him on here. We've talked about him. He's been referenced. Hi. Uh, love your show. Love the podcast. And this is a question for Mike Toomey. Um, I've always been curious. Does he have a brother uh, that goes by the first name of Socket? Thank you. <laughs> it's my sister. It's my sister, actually, yes. She was uh, born during an episode of Laugh-In, and uh, my parents just thought that was appropriate. Laugh-In, that, that, that doesn't even add up because I'm the youngest, and I was born before Laugh-In came on the air. That was my first lunchbox, by the way, a Laugh-In, Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In lunchbox. But um, that during that show, they would say, no, it's suck it to me time, and they would go, suck it to me, suck it to me. And Nixon, when Nixon was uh, running for president, they talked him into going on that show because everybody would say socket to me, and then Nixon went, socket to me? No, I really don't have any relatives named Socket. Oh. Talk Dirty is my sister's name. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. I have a question for Mike Toomey. Um, my name is Laura, and I am calling from North Aurora. Mike Toomey. How does it feel to be mentioned by Bob Odenkirk as being super funny when he was on the Fly on the Wall podcast with David Spade and Dana Carvey? That was really cool to hear. Also, I would love to see more Greg the Vampire. (laughs) Love you. Love your show. Thanks. First off, I love the uh, the Laura from North Aurora. That sounds kind of cool. And thank you for your call, Laura. Uh, yeah, I will address that. Uh, the Bob Odenkirk thing, the day that that happened, I got so many texts and emails and stuff. People say, hey, Bob Odenkirk just uh, you know, said some nice stuff about you on the podcast with Spade and, and Dana Carvey. Uh, yeah, that made me feel great. Made my, made my year. I mean, Bob is a super funny guy and such a good actor. Like, I always knew him as funny. You know, I always knew him as, you know, he was a good improvisational actor and stuff. But the stuff he did uh, on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul just put him at another level. But he was, like, unbelievably funny. He tried stand-up and did it for a couple years when we worked together and stuff. And he was, like, unbridled. Like, his was just all over the place and um, not as structured as much which I found so, so funny. You know, he's just a, a really, really funny guy and an even nicer human being. So, it, it, yes, to hear it from him just made me feel great. And I really appreciate that he, you know, that he said that. And, oh, and the other thing she said about Greg the Vampire. Um, yeah, there's always more Greg the Vampire stuff coming. So thank you for asking about him. Can't wait to do the next Greg bit. And I really, really appreciate your call. All right. Well, don't forget, listeners, season one of the WGN Morning News podcast is done, but I still need your calls. Give me a buzz. 773-883-3323. Mike, do you have anything to promote, like a movie or a book? I'll be uh, appearing at the Lyric Theater in January, so you can look them up online for the exact date, and a place called CD and Me in Frankfurt in March. I believe that's the 11th. So uh, you can go to either of their websites and they'll have the full schedule up there. And my Christmas CD is uh, is available. You can reach out to me and uh, I'll see that you get one. How can people get a hold of you? They can email me. They can Facebook me. They can find me on social media. I'm on most of the platforms. Do you have an email address you're willing to? Yeah, uh, michaeltoomey524gmail.com. michaeltoomey524gmail.com.
Michael Toomey524 at gmail.com? Correct. Yeah, you got to put that at thing in there. It's important. You know what's funny? If you leave that out, it doesn't go through. Like, can't the computer just go, I know what you mean. You would think. They had to be jerks. We're 2022 now here. Right, come on. Like, really, you didn't know that, I, that, I, that there has to be the thing there? I have to put it in? Right. The topic is computers are jerks. Our guest is Brian Say with WGN Morning News. Talk about some of the things that computers have done to us over the years that have proven, in fact, that they are jerks. Uh, hello, caller. <laughs> All right, Mike. Do you have any questions for me on the way out? Who who uh, who do you... In- no, I'm afraid who? that's all the time we have. You've Wait. been listening to the WGN Morning News Podcast. Tune in next year for Season 2, hopefully. I'm Brian Say, and I miss Ross Maccabee. And, and good, good morning, morning Chicago. Chicago. Or whenever you're listening to this. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. WGN Morning News Podcast. Why is everyone in a robe? <laughs> what is going on? I'm going to lunch. We're going to go to uh, Fogo de Chow. And just uh, have, I'm like, <laughs> and then it goes, wait. My darling, I hunger for your touch. What's your bra size? Quit. Oof, I know. I'm sorry, officer. Time to check and we're coming back. Hey, Dean, your donuts blow. My donuts? Yeah. As far as my underwear goes, um, extra small. Can I borrow $5,000? Absolutely not, Brian. You never lend money to family or friends. Are we friends? Hey, guys, Larry Potash here. Listen to the full episode of WGM Morning News Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. I love you. <laughs> Good morning. It's a great day to be alive. It's another big day on the WGN Morning News Podcast. Today, Brian talks to me. We'll find out stuff that I have to say. Plus, I'll join Brian to say stuff. And Brian's guest will be me. We'll talk about a lot of things. Live from the WGN studios, this is the WGN Morning News Podcast. Do you have anything else to say to future Brian before I stop recording? Future Brian? Yeah, because I'm going to listen to this later. Oh, um, well, Brian, a few words before I depart for six weeks. Take care of yourself. Treasure yourself. Make alone time for yourself. And... A lot of people would say get a hobby, but I want to say find a passion, okay? And do it for yourself. Don't do it for anybody else. Drink some PBR, eat some pizza. I'll be back soon. I love you. The gentle kiss. <laughs> the rich get richer. I'm the poor, stay poor. Get richer, I'm the poor, stay